Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Red Sox Beat Podcast presented by CLNS Media. It's your leading online audio and video provider for Major League Baseball. I'm the host of this show, Chris Cotillo, beat reporter for Covering the Red Sox from MassLive.com, episode 241 of this podcast, and it's brought to you by Indochino, uh, made-to-measure menswear company. A lot going on uh, right now as we head. <clears throat> today is, is Sunday, uh, December 8th, heading out west <clears throat> Excuse me, to the winter meetings in San Diego at the Manchester Grand Hyatt Hotel out there on the water in San Diego and a very busy week will begin very, very soon for the Boston Red Sox. So <clears throat> I'll be previewing that. Also talk about how some of the moves that have been made already this winter affect the Red Sox. They've been pretty quiet other than a couple of small moves here and there. Um, recap what's happened so far in the off season. get into what to expect at the winter meetings. I'm going to ride solo on this one as we approach the winter meetings uh, this week. Obviously, the Red Sox have been, like I said, pretty quiet. I haven't really heard a lot about you know what they are going to do. Things have been pretty quiet under Hyam Bloom since he was hired at the end of October. But they made some moves this week to show how he was going to tweak the back end of the roster. On the non-tender deadline, there were some guys that the Red Sox could have gotten rid of. Jackie Bradley Jr., chief among them. Bloom decides to hang on to Jackie Bradley Jr., tendering him a contract, at least for now. Still a prime trade candidate, but not traded yet. He's tendered a deal. Red Sox could look to work out a deal in arbitration with him or could look to trade him in the next couple of weeks, especially at the winter meetings. I'm sure there'll be a lot of interest. We've heard the Diamondbacks, the Cubs, and the Mets. But for now, at a point where a few people at least thought the Red Sox might non-tender Jackie Bradley Jr., he stays with the Red Sox, at least for now. Sandy Leone did not have the same fate. Sandy Leone, backup catcher, has been with the Red Sox for a few years now and has struggled offensively despite having a lot of value to the pitching staff with Chris Sale. Rick Porcello really liked him was traded to the Cleveland Indians on Monday for a minor league pitcher. That minor league pitcher uh, is a, is in, was in rookie ball last year, um, uh, Dennis Bautista. He does not seem to be you know, of value. It really was the Red Sox wanted to cut payroll. They saw that Sandy Leone and his $2.8 million was an easy cut, and they wanted to get rid of him, and they found a team that was willing to take him. So Sandy Leone's gone. Red Sox now need a new backup catcher. We'll get into some of those options in a bit. They also decided for at least at the moment to non-tender Marco Hernandez and Josh Osich. Josh Osich, remember, is the left-hander they claimed off waivers from the White Sox at the end of October. Both of those guys were free agents for about 24 hours before the Red Sox announced they re-signed them both to major league deals but split contracts that is a, a creative cost 
saving measure where if those guys are in the majors, they don't earn a major league salary. Complicated uh, kind of loophole in the rules, but uh, more of the story is it saves money. Both of those guys remain on the roster, and it shows the Red Sox actually do consider Osage someone at 950000 if in the major leagues who can contribute next year out of the bullpen, even with the proposed three-batter roll. Well, he's a guy who historically has been a lot better on for lefty on lefty matchups. So I think what we're seeing is, is Bloom's starting to make a stamp on the roster, moving from the bottom up. In addition to those moves, Brian Johnson was sent off the roster outright to AAA Paw Tuckett, soon to be AAA Worcester. Brian Johnson will still provide depth for this team, but it will be in a triple-A role um, and not in the 40-man roster, so uh, he'll have to work even harder to earn a spot in spring training. He was able to slip through waivers uh, and create a 40-man roster spot for the Red Sox. We've seen some other guys, you know, cut, obviously. Uh, Trevor Kelly goes to the Phillies in a waiver claim, a guy that, you know, factored into the bullpen a little bit at the end of last year um, and was going to be a candidate next year. Uh, it's kind of a, a loss to the Red Sox. Tried to sneak him through waivers, too, but he got claimed by the Phillies. Uh, so we're seeing kind of the back end of the roster starting to take shape. I think as we move through the winter meetings, Bloom will be starting to look at how he can shape, you know, maybe the middle of the roster and then eventually right at the very top with you know, maybe trading a starting pitcher, maybe trading Mookie Betts, something like that. I'm seeing actually a lot of free agent movement for November and December from around baseball. A few big deals given out. Zach Wheeler goes to the Phillies this week for five years, $118 million. So before that, Yasmani yeah, Grandal goes to the White Sox, four years, $73 million. I've seen Will Smith sign with the Braves. The Braves signed a bunch of people. Will Smith, Travis Darno, uh, Cole Hamels recently this week. Um, we've seen the Rangers make a couple pitching moves. Kyle Gibson. Uh, and then just this weekend, Jordan Lyles for two years and $16 million. We've seen some significant trades. Dylan Bundy goes to the Angels and uh, Jonathan VR, as well as uh, Aguilar. Uh, as Aguilar gets claimed uh, off waivers uh, by the Marlins. So we're seeing some action. We're seeing some moves. Nothing incredibly earth-shattering. Obviously, the Wheeler deal is a pretty big deal. Nothing so far that has involved the Red Sox. But just to run down, as I wrote my notes column this week, um, just some impacts on how things could, could really shake out and, and affect the Red Sox. The Braves are making an aggressive early push. We've seen that for sure. Um, there have been no team busier than Atlanta. You know, they signed Cole Hamels, they signed Will Smith, they signed Darno, and they've re-signed a bunch of their own players, Chris Martin, Darren O'Day, Nick Marcakis, Tyler Flowers. They're committing a lot, but they're not committing a lot year-wise. Will Smith's contract was three years. The rest of these deals are one- or two-year deals. And so they're kind of doing what the 2013 Red Sox did. You know, They are adding a bunch of veterans on one-year, two-year deals, uh, adding a lot of talent uh, in a short-term window that you know, could really, really help them in the near future, but, but not holding them up for a long-term type deal. I think that that speaks to how aggressive these Braves are going to be. They see that their window of contention is now. They want to win. And that, to me, points to them potentially being a serious, serious suitor if the Red Sox are serious about trading Mookie Betts. Reports this week that the Red Sox are, are unlikely to trade Betts. I don't necessarily buy that. I think if there's an offer that comes in that really, really intrigues the Red Sox and intrigues Bloom and they can get a bunch of prospects from a team looking to contend, they'll do that unless something is seismically changed in terms of uh, – Bets wanting to sign a long-term deal. I don't think it has. Um, I think at this point we're looking at 
the Braves as one of the top suitors, along with maybe the Padres, maybe the Dodgers. Padres aggressive also um, acquiring Tommy Pham this week from Tampa Bay, already signing ex-Red Sox Red Sox legend Drew Pomerantz. The starting pitching market, as I said, is moving quickly. Zach Wheeler, Kyle Gibson, Hamels, Jake Odorizzi um, have come off the board, obviously right at the very top. Garrett Cole, who's being linked very heavily to the Yankees. Steven Strasburg and Madison Bumgarner are still out there. We're looking at those, you know, guys as really the guys that'll be uh, the movers and shakers of this winter meetings. When when it all comes down to it, where those guys go will be the biggest story. But the teams that lose out, you know, let's say the Angels lose out on Cole, let's see the Dodgers lose out, and those teams can take on some salary, and they might be a perfect fit if the Red Sox can unload a David Price or a Nathan Avaldi and maybe attach a prospect or someone like Andrew Benatendi to it. It might be the way to keep Mookie Betts on this roster moving forward. If they can trade Price, they can trade Avaldi, I'm sure. They would love to find a taker. There's a bunch of teams. I mean, think about the teams that are in on starting pitching, the White Sox, Twins, Reds, Astros, Rangers, Angels, Dodgers, Yankees. You know, it's a lot. They're not going to trade for a Red Sox starter, but a lot of teams are involved in the starting pitching market, and a lot of teams could be looking. The names are coming off the catching market as well. We've seen a few big deals. Grandal, Darno, and Vote all get deals. Uh, Sandy Leone gone to the Indians. They fill a backup catcher role that way. The Red Sox are now looking for a backup catcher um, to replace Leone. There are no clear options inside the organization, so it's almost definite that they'll be getting someone from outside. There's a ton of free agents for them this year, a ton of guys that might be able to be had on non-guaranteed deals, minor league deals. A few of those names and the ones you know, Austin Romine, Francisco Cervelli, two ex-Yankees, Cervelli a little bit older now, Rene Rivera, Matt Wieters, Jonathan Lucroy, and a Providence, Rhode Island native in Chris Iannetta. Those are some of the guys that I think are potential fits, and I'm sure Heimblum will be looking at all those guys and many more. The non-tender market really, really affects the Red Sox because there's a lot of guys on that list who, on paper, look like really good fits. A lot of guys get cut by their teams looking, you know, for potential bounce-back years, and those are the kind of guys that the Red Sox could sign, and these are the types of guys that the Rays under Bloom and Eric Neander turned into all-stars. You know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. They always made him tr- made those guys treasure in St. Petersburg. A few of those guys, some not- notable names. In Oakland, Blake Trainin. In Philadelphia, Cesar Hernandez and Michael Franco. In Minnesota, CJ Crone. San Francisco, Kevin Pillar. And a red, ex-Red Sox from Milwaukee, Travis Shaw. You know, Chris Smith, my partner who has been on the show plenty of times, uh, my partner at Mass Live, ran down a bunch of the guys he thinks the Red Sox could uh, potentially look to sign. I think Travis Shaw is the potential fit to come back. And there are a few of those guys. So a bunch of free agents, a more... Um, the more non-tenders, the more of a buyer's market it is, um, and the teams benefit because there are more options and guys are going to be willing to take worse deals because the supply is uh, is even even greater. As we sit here on Sunday morning, I'm sure by the time the show releases tonight, this will change because that's what always happens. But all of Boston's own free agents, Rick Porcello, Brock Holt, Mitch Moreland, Andrew Kashner, Yolish Sassine, and even Steve Pierce, who seem very likely to retire, have come to terms on – none of them have come to terms on deals anywhere – Report today from Jason Master Donato of the Boston Herald that the Red Sox are interested and still in talks about a reunion with Porcello. I think he'd be a great fit at the back end of the rotation if the price is right. He's expressed a big desire to come back. He wants to do that. Uh, so that is very possible. Uh, again, if the price is right, um, which is which is a big ask because maybe price can get two years. Reports linking uh, Porcello to the Mets. I think that would be a great fit. He's obviously a guy from... Um, 
New Jersey. He has roots there and would probably, if the price is right there, uh, sign there. But we haven't heard much on Holt, haven't heard much on Moreland. And those guys still, you know, although Moreland, you know, seems a little less likely, still, I guess, do have uh, fits on this roster. And then the big story, I'm sure, that will dominate headlines, at least in the Northeast, in the next week. The Yankees are being very aggressive in the starting pitching market. They've made it clear that they really want Garrett Cole. If that somehow falls apart, they're going to be aggressive on Steven Strasburg and, uh, so they're they're going to be fishing at the top end of the market. The Red Sox are not. It's always interesting to see how these two teams react to each other. You know, it used to be one big move for another back, you know, a few years ago. Now the Red Sox are trying to get under the luxury tax. They're probably not going to be able to go toe-to-toe with the Yankees. But the Yankees in a really good position, have a lot of money to spend. It seemed like they're going to land one of those guys. And the Red Sox, it will be interesting to see how they respond to that. That is what has happened. Next, we'll talk about what could happen at the winter meetings, which begin tonight into tomorrow in San Diego, California, which is a great place where I think the winter meetings should be every year, and I think everybody in baseball pretty much agrees with me on that. The Red Sox, their main priorities, and this is very clear, look for trade partners for some of these guys that seem like trade candidates. Jackie Bradley Jr. is one, as I talked about, Mookie Betts. As much as people are downplaying it and rival executives are doubting it, I think they're going to still look for offers for him. If a trade can be made for David Price or Nathan Avaldi, maybe Andrew Benintendi, guys like that, you know, attach Michael Chavis to someone, see what you can get. The Red Sox are going to be creative. They're going to be open. And this is Heim Bloom's first chance of really, you know, getting getting the opportunity to talk to uh, the other 29 GMs, a bunch of agents. Those GMs to see, you know, what is the interest level in my players, and I don't think anybody met minus probably Devers and and probably uh, Eduardo Rodriguez and definitely Bogarts is untouchable. I think anything could happen. So getting you know a look at the trade values of some of those guys. Next, looking at finally ways to fill some of these holes. It's clear that the Red Sox are not operating in the fashion they did under Dave Dombrowski. Um, where they, you know, see a hole and fill it with a guy like Craig Kimbrell, a guy like Chris Sale. It's clear that they're looking and taking a more holistic approach to it under Heim Bloom. But there are still a lot of holes in this roster. You need second base help. You need first base help. You need starting pitching, bullpen, backup catcher like I talked about. So there are a lot of different ways that he can go. And there are a lot of guys that might be, you know, ready to come off the free agent market. We say a lot of moves this type of year. A lot of relievers sign. A lot of catchers sign. Position players might take a little bit longer. But if there's a guy, especially one of those non-tender guys that Bloom thinks, I want this guy. He's willing to take this price. We could see the Red Sox sign a free agent or two. As well as get some clarity on some of their own guys. Like I said, Porcello, Brock Holt, Mitch Marlin, and some of those type names that, that we've seen. Really nothing other than Porcello on um, in the free agent market. Red Sox will also get some clarity this week, uh, potentially about Alex Cora and his involvement in the Houston Astros sign-stealing scandal. Uh, it seems like nothing has really come of that in the last couple weeks. Things have been very, very, very quiet as the MLB investigation is underway and heating up and they're talking to a bunch of people. All indications are that Alex Cora will be fine, that there will be no problem, um, but at the same time, uh, until there is no until the league rules or comes out with the release that says that there's uh, no punishment, it's still a little bit of worry for the Red Sox as they proceed moving forward. Uh, like I said, it's going to be hard for Major League Baseball to punish the Red Sox for something that they were not involved in. It was completely an Astros scandal, but um, 
it's something to monitor, at least as we look at this week. Alex Cora will be meeting with the media at some point in San Diego, probably either Tuesday or Wednesday in a formal setting, and the first time we'll hear from him since Bloom was introduced in late October. The first time we'll hear from anybody, at least publicly in a media setting, uh, since the GM meetings, which were mid-November in Scottsdale, Arizona. Other things the Red Sox are going to look at uh, this week. They're going to probably sit down with the agents for Eduardo Rodriguez, Rafael Devers, see if they can look at extensions for those guys. It's a lot harder to do right now uh, because they're trying to get under the luxury tax. They don't want those guys getting huge raises for next year. Again, Bloom could be creative and find a way where uh, there's – potential for for finding a way but it's all based on the average annual value and uh, i don't think that the red sox are likely to work out those deals but still if the price is right and they can negotiate that uh, i I think there'll be interesting extensions with those guys maybe look at the trade market for a guy like jd martinez which is depressed as we've talked about before so a lot on the plate of heim bloom brian o'haller and everybody else the contingent traveling to san diego uh today As the Red Sox approach this winter, it's clear that a lot of moves are going to be made. I'm frankly surprised that nothing's really happened so far. There's been zero free agent signings. Uh, There's been one trade, the Sandy Leon blockbuster we saw the other day. Then a couple waiver claims. Osage comes in. Uh, Trevor Kelly goes out. A few non-tenders and releases. But really, uh, when Sandy Leon getting traded is the biggest move, it's a surprising slow drip for the Red Sox so far. I'm sure that'll change in the upcoming days. I wouldn't be surprised to see Jackie Bradley Jr. traded at all. I think that would be a good possibility. Wouldn't be surprised to see an even bigger trade and the Red Sox sign a free agent or two. And at the same time, Red Sox still in the situation they're in where they're trying to cut payroll and get the luxury tax down. They could totally sit here at the winter meetings and say, uh, you know, I really don't want to make a move. I want to wait. I want to wait for bargains. I want to let the market come to me. Um, And if they do that, then then it will be a very busy January and February for the Red Sox, and and there could be moves even made while they're in Fort Myers uh, as we get into February and March. So everything's been quiet so far. And you know what? A lot of teams haven't made big moves. There's a few teams, especially we've seen the NL East be really aggressive, but outside of that, and the Padres, you know, in, in terms of the American League East, uh, I guess the Tommy Pham trade from going from Tampa to San Diego this week was the only significant one. Um, the Yankees haven't done much. Red Sox haven't done anything. I'm sure that those things will change. Uh, just on a uh, on a league-wide note, I think it's really interesting to see that the off-season calendar seems to have reset, and it's totally back to when it used to be fun, the years of 13 and 14 and 15. When you saw a guy sign in November, you saw things really heating up right before the winter meetings, and then the winter meetings becoming, you know, an off-season spectacle of the sport. Baseball doesn't have that July 1st signing day like the NBA. It doesn't have that first day of free agency with midnight meetings like the NFL, um, where a lot of guys move and a lot of guys move really quickly. It has the closest thing is the winter meetings. We've seen that be very, very slow in the last couple um Years We've seen not a lot of November signings, just a few December signings, and a lot of January, a lot of February, and depressed markets for guys. It's good to see that things are getting back to normal. And, and the winter meetings for me, I think, are an extremely enjoyable event, one that are one of the most fun of the year. See a lot of people from around baseball, see a lot of people connect. There's a really unique opportunity for a lot of FaceTime with really important people and, and a lot of hanging out, in addition to a lot of the moves that get made. And, and some of the winter meeting stories are the most classic um, that you can find in baseball, uh, just because 
it's such a such a spectacle and such an event, and it's a really good setup this year. Uh, for those of you who haven't been, the winter meetings in the last few years are always at these sprawling resorts. The Gaylord Opryland Hotel in Nashville is massive. It takes 20 minutes to walk end to end. Mandalay Bay last year was ridiculous. Uh, it takes forever to walk end to end. And San Diego at the Manchester Grand Hyatt. Small, compact, one lobby. You'll see, you know, in any given hour, a bunch of GMs and managers and Hall of Famers and stuff walking through. So before I wrap up, just a quick nod to some news today that is going to break. Uh, by the time this is out, you might have already heard. Dwight Evans is a candidate to be inducted into the Hall of Fame today. It seems like he has a good shot of getting in via the Veterans Committee, but it will come down to uh, that committee and what they do. And then the baseball writers vote, which I am not yet eligible for, only a couple years in the Baseball Writers Association. Um, after 10 years, you can vote. There are going to be a couple more Red Sox-related guys there, obviously, uh, a few, uh, Kurt Schilling is one, uh, and then Roger Clemens, the contra- controversial Roger Clemens, but uh, he will have a shot of getting in as well. So Hall of Fame is Red Sox-related stuff. The first bit of news from the winter meetings involving the Red Sox will be Dwight Evans getting in or out, uh, and then we start hearing about the trades and the free agent signings and everything, which I'm sure... We'll start as soon as the planes start landing in San Diego. I always joke, Sunday before the winter meetings when everyone's flying in, it used to be, I guess not anymore because there's so much Wi-Fi on these flights, it used to be the quietest day of the year because all the GMs um, were flying all day. Quick word from our great sponsor, Indochino. Indochino is founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. Men obviously look good when their suits fit well. They look good when their shirts fit well. And Indochino... Being the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand, makes suits, shirts, coats, and more. Everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. I had the pleasure of ordering an Indochino shirt a couple weeks ago. I just packed it up for the winter meetings. It is in my suitcase and ready to go. For when I head over to the airport um, in about an hour, easy. You just measure yourself at home, get your custom measurements, uh, put them all in online, and in a couple weeks, a perfectly made-to-measure shirt was in my mailbox. You get to personalize all the details, including your lapel, lining, and your own monogram. Hundreds of suit options for all occasions, including work, formal events, and even your own wedding. The best parts, they are affordable. Almost every piece of Indochino clothing is under $400. process is simple. You choose your fabric, you pick your customizations, and you submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at the nearest Indochino showroom or do it all online at Indochino.com. You can start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com while entering socks, that's S-O-X, at checkout, plus shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code SOX, S-O-X, for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that does not fit. Thank you to Indochino, all the other sponsors that have been on here uh, during my run as host. Uh, I am, as of this podcast, uh, sad to announce that this will be my last one for CLNS Media. Uh, further news on why to come uh, through Mass Live, but it has been a, a fun year, or almost year, I guess a, a season plus of doing this for CLNS.com. Personal story, when I was in high school, I 
wrote for CLNS. It was my first place they ever wrote online. From there, got, went to SB Nation and then as a beat writer for Mass Live. So a homecoming of sorts to go back to CLNS for uh, the last couple months, the last few months, and do all these shows. Thank you to all the guests who have come on. Thank you to all the sponsors. Thank you to the good people at, C- at CLNS. Nick Gelso, obviously, uh, is a guy that's been running the show for a long time and a guy who was there when I was there. And then some people I've met during this go-around who, who ne- weren't necessarily uh, part of the program when I was there, or at least didn't work with me, Tommy White, Guy Near, John Zanis. Appreciate him getting me involved in this early. And then, of course, the good producer who works behind the scenes every week to get this out and this podcast going is Ryan LeMay. Thank you to him and to everybody there. It's been a fun ride. Thank you guys all for listening. Uh, looking forward to continue podcasting, and, and I'll uh, be talking about what's next, hopefully very soon. So thank you. Enjoy the winter meetings and the rest of the offseason.